You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. As a longtime foreign correspondent, I've worked in lots of places, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I'm Jane Perlez, former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. Join me on my new podcast, Face Off, U.S. versus China, where I'll take you behind the scenes in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. Find Face Off wherever you get your podcasts. Over 7 million different animals inhabit our planet. What animal are we talking about today? Octopus. What can they teach us? They exhibit a lot of different, more higher cognitive levels of learning. Like I said, tool use, problem solving, spatial discrimination. Many species are in crisis and need your help. Join the movement at allcreaturespod.com. Hi, Zach. Hi. Zachy, what animal are we talking about today? Uh, octopus. Octopus? How many arms does an octopus have? How many? Three. Three? That's how many hearts it has, huh? Three. Yes, you're right. How many arms does he have? How many arms? Eight. Yay! Good job! Good job, Zachy! And you're only what? Two? You're only two years old, huh? And you know octopuses have eight arms? Mm-hmm. What color are octopuses? Red. Red? Yes, the big one, huh? They're neat. Where do they live? Water. In the water! Oh my gosh, you're so smart, Zach! Already two, you're an octopus expert! Should we just do the podcast with you? Yes, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I would have so much fun, Zachy. Well, thank you for coming on. Thank you. You're welcome. Xander, I think your little brother knows a lot about octopus. No, he doesn't. He does, too. He knew they had three hearts and eight arms. Right? Uh, yes. What else do you know about octopus? Yeah, where do they live? Um, in the water. In the okay. In, in the water, in the water, and they eat fish. They do. And and what do they have special? Eight of that we have two of. Um, eight arms. That's right. What else do they have? Suckers on their arms. I know. Isn't that crazy? Do you know what those suckers do? They help grab its food. You're right. You're right. Now, what octopus are we covering today? Do you know? Um, blue octopus. Yeah, the blue ring octopus. So what do you know special about the blue ring octopus? When it gets scared, he puts blue rings on its body. I know. What does that mean? That that means it's warning you for danger. That's right. What's dangerous about him? He's he's venomous. He's going to bite you. I know. Yeah, what's... Ve- okay, so let's ask you this. Here's a big, big question for you. You ready, Xander? What? Okay, what's the difference between a venomous 
animal and a poisonous animal? Um, poisonous. If you touch them, if you touch them, you'll get you'll get sick. And venomous. If they bite you, you get sick. Okay, we're done. Tell your mom we're done. That is too amazing. You know too much. <laughs> For how old are you again, Xander? Like five. five? <laughs> You're five, and you know that. Oh my goodness. Yeah, you could just replace your mommy. Let's just take a seat. You can just do the whole episode with me on the Blue Ring Octopus because you know more than I do. No, I don't. Sound like a plan? No! <laughs> but you knew the difference between a venomous and poisonous animal. I'm blown away. I'm seriously, I know your parents are smart, but geez. Well, thank you for you and your little brother for coming on and teaching us about the octopus. They are amazing, huh? Welcome to the All Creatures Podcast. This is Chris. And I'm proud Mama Angie. Yeah, I know. Those two are too adorable. I like uh, the knowledge they have. Like, obviously, you're teaching them well. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's uh, a little bit of Wild Kratts as well. And uh, yeah. yes, been, and lots of books. They love their animal facts yeah, I know. books. Uh, National Geographic and Highlights and a couple other. Uh, I think it's Ranger Rick. Is another great okay. little kid magazine okay. that has a lot of fun animal facts. So I know when I was younger, I lit, I waited each month for that new magazine to come in to teach me all about the little animals and they had the flashcards mm-hmm. that you could cut into pieces and mm-hmm. it had little animal facts on it. So yeah, no, they, they love it. They, they retain it. I mean, little Zach, two year old Zach. <laughs> yeah. Like seriously. He knows everything about octopuses. Well, he's almost, he Xander, he'll expert. be three in yeah. a few months. So he's, you know, yeah, know. but yes, no, he, he is really, really excited about animals as well. And we, we go for a lot of nature walks and we always are looking yeah. for wildlife and it's, good. it's a big topic. Yes, for sure. <laughs> yeah. They're, they're amazing. They're amazing. You, you, you two are doing an amazing job with them. So some exciting stuff's happening for us, Angie. Patreon. We released our great white episode. Great white sharks. It's awesome. Perfect for summertime. All about fish biology and behavior, and they do some right. cool things. So check that out yes, if you haven't. Yes. You will, if you're not already a shark fan, you will definitely fall in love with them because they're definitely misunderstood and just really cool physiology and amazing hunting behavior. Yes, yes. I mean, it, it's it's amazing. And shout out to to Bill and his son Quinn, who loves our podcast. They're our latest Patreon supporters, and Julie is a supporter and. Uh, a bunch of other people. So thank you so much. We have the cheetah episode out on there, news segment. We're going to be doing a new, uh, another news segment here pretty quick, which I have to organize with you, Angie. So for $5 a month, your support means the world to us. So thank you for that. And then Angie, I've got to do some shout outs because on Instagram and Facebook on our accounts, I've, I'm starting to do guest our next species. So this is going back to Orca. It was too easy. It was too easy. Everybody got yeah, it. Yeah, your clues are pretty, <laughs> pretty easy. But that's good. You gotta, Duh. you gotta start them off gentle, right? The first, the first okay. one's free. Okay. That's what they always say, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So on Facebook, you know, I got shout outs to Summer, Lee, Brianne, Jonathan, Chelsea, and Julie. Now Instagram is fun because it's their Instagram handles. So, you know, always at. So Sunny Coral Atoll was pretty close. It was pretty close. But others got it right. Uh, Little Boots 9. I love that name. Sunny Shyak, uh, Lovey 96, Zoo Cutie, 
And then you're going to like this one, Angie. When Animals Attack podcast. Nice. <laughs> so yeah. I've got to, I've got to message yeah. them and say, when are you going to do the episode on cows? Because we know cows kill a lot of people in the United States. Not a lot, but still more or than mosquitoes uh, better still, know. right? Yeah. I know. I know. So Blue Ring Octopus. Here we go. Uh, Here we go. It's our second cephalopod, right? Mm-hmm. After Vampire Squid, mm-hmm. which was so long ago. So long you know, ago. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. What episode number? <laughs> I have no idea. Uh, let me guess. So this is fun. 35. No, 14. Oh, wow. That is yeah. a way, way long yeah. time ago. Way, way long ago. But this is our, our first ones. true octopus. Which I have been dying to do because looking back at some of my squid notes for the vampire squid is there's not a lot known about its behavior or – and looking back at some of my vampire squid notes, there's a lot of octopus references in there. And I was giggling to myself reading over the notes like, wow, I really wanted to talk about octopus that day. But we were t- <laughs> we were focused yeah, on I know, the squid. I know. So, I know. Yes, just, just, they're incredible and, uh, their physiology is amazing. Their oh. behavior is amazing. Uh, we're gonna, uh, we'll recount uh, some facts about their intelligence is gonna be a big I mean, section. We, I know. Last week we, we signed off like this would be tough to beat. Orca would be tough to beat. The next week we beat it almost, almost. I just, orcas are still, oh my goodness, they're number two on my list. But reading about the octopus, I I'm blown away. I I am I I am blown away. Oh yes, and just literally, just the videos that people have put up, and yeah, it's some of the shenanigans, uh, for lack of better terms, <laughs> uh, the personalities that they have. Yes, so you'll if you're not oh. an octopus fan by the end, you'll be definitely part of. Uh, um, well, here you go, Octonation. So I, just a. Uh, a heads up this this Thursday we have an interview with the number one octopus fan in the world by far Warren Carlisle uh, quickly becoming a good friend of mine uh, an amazing amazing person who founded the number one octopus fan club was recognized by Facebook as one of the most influential social media learning and education groups education groups he has created this group. He has hundreds of thousands of followers around the world. Um, you know, we'll talk about him more at the end of the podcast, but he has a really interesting story about how he founded this group and what they're learning. And it's, it's amazing. Now I know why. Now I know why. I mean, and, and plus the stuff he's doing for ocean conservation. I mean, just amazing, amazing work. So look for that on Thursday, but you're right. I mean, be, be, we're part of the, I'm part of the Octo Nation. I sent you an invite the other day. Yes. You were becoming part of the Octo Nation. Hands down. <laughs> All amazing. eight hands down for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Our arms. Yeah. And you're definitely going to want to stay tuned towards the end of the podcast. I'm going to discuss a plastic challenge that Chris and I and several of our other friends and fans are going to undertake in the month of July. It's a really cool opportunity to learn more about how to help the environment, not just from plastic reduction, but from driving less, biking more, different eating habits. It's just a really cool Mm -hmm. challenge and I'm super competitive. I don't know (laughs) about other people out there, but it's really fun to track this stuff and to learn and and all creatures podcast. I just signed us up for a team. So 
More details to come about that at the end of the podcast because we're about two weeks yes. away from it. And so I want to gear up, mentally gear everybody up for this big challenge that's going to help change some of your habits. And it'll help get all of our conservation heroes that already do so much for animals and conservation, but even more involved and give you tips on different things you can do. And then you get to track it and you get scores and it's super fun. So definitely stay tuned for that. For sure. And, and, you know, we're going to talk about the blue ring octopus. It is eventually we'll get one there. of the ocean's most, <laughs> we'll get there, but it is, it's one of the most deadly. And we're trying to get you excited about octopus or octopuses is the plural, not octopi. That's a, it's, a, it, it gets people a little angry and, oh God, for him, get into it. It's octopus is actually Greek. Octopi is Latin. And then we make it into an English word. So there's a lot of debate, okay. but octopuses is, is the most accepted plural. And Octonation will go after us if we're wrong. So we have to be careful. But before we jump in, real quick, Blue Ring Octopus, it, it, it's, you know, stay tuned because it is called one of the most deadly animals in the ocean. So we'll just see how deadly they are. You know, it's kind of a theme in our show. But I have to give a shout out to, to Chris who sent us the most beautiful email, Angie. I know I forwarded it to you. It may, it just makes my heart sing, you know, what we're doing and just really quickly, you know, he wrote uh, his girlfriend's daughter, Lily. So shout out to Lily. He said, we began using your podcast as a tool to teach ourselves more about the creatures around which we would soon be working because he's, he's volunteering at a local zoo. And in a few months that we've been listening, we've learned so much about the fantastic lives of the animals that share this we share this planet with. And that Lily is totally brilliant. And the podcast has made things a bit more accessible to her. And she, he's, when she listens to our podcast and she gets all those facts, he sees her confidence growing. So it just was an amazing email. So shout out to Chris and especially Lily. Please keep listening. We love you guys. And that, that's what drives us to do this about Blue Ring Octopus. Well, absolutely. And I know we talk, talked about Patreon a little bit earlier. And if you can't donate $5 a month, I get it. I've been there. But what you can do is share our podcast. And the other thing that I really want to encourage is if you can just rate us and give us however many stars you think we're worth on iTunes, that would be huge because we, I think we have about 80 comments, 85 comments. And if we could jump mm. that up to a hundred in the next couple of weeks, that would be fabulous. Uh, and that we, will help us we keep teasing yeah. big time with some of our long-term goals. So, and, and the feedback on there is incredible. I've had people recommend species on there and I've had people uh, give Xander a shout out. So we, we yeah. do read, we do read those, um, and those recommendations and the things you like about our podcast. Of course, if there's things you don't just send that in a private email. <laughs> yes, please. Thank you. <laughs> That's what I tell my students when they're rating me. I'm like, you can rate me, but if you have any critiques, I like critiques, but just tell them to me in person. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to yeah, get a job here. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so blue ring octopus, Angie, the thing I'll start off. There's 10 different species. Okay. Are there 10? Okay. Because I read four somewhere and then I read five well, somewhere. Yeah. So, okay. So, well, it's, it's four known six suspected. So how, but you okay. just said so 10. 10 total. If, oh, if you count I the see. six that they So you're doing math. Is that what you just did there? Six plus yeah, kind of. Yeah. Six plus okay. four is 10, right? <laughs> So <laughs> you're a teacher. No, so, you know, it, yeah. So they, there's four known, there's four okay. known, uh, six suspected describe them. I mean, again, they, they're your normal average octopus. It's, these have 
so gorgeous. You have to look at the pictures. Not if you're driving, look later. But yellowish skin, and then they have those black blue rings that, when threatened, get really bright. Like, don't mess with mm-hmm. me because you will die if you <laughs> get bit by me. It's so venomous. Now, the larger of the species, their bodies are only about two inches long or five centimeters. And their eight arms can go up to about four inches. Right. So they're, they're, I've, I've seen them described as like a golf ball. I was going to say, if you're a, vi- that's if you're a visual are. person, just picture them fitting in the palm of your hand. The deck of a deck of cards, palm of your hand. This yellow octopus with bright blue rings with black dots. Don't put it in your hand. No, 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 no. Don't mess with them. Don't. Especially our Aussies down there. You're listening. I know. Lee and all you other ones down there, do not pick up a blue ring octopus. You probably already know that. But speaking of that, range. So they're native to the Pacific Ocean, but they're kind of in that Indo-Pacific region at depths 50 meters or, or higher. They're not really that deep. They range from just south of Japan, along China, Southeast Asia, through Indonesia. Then they go out to India and then all the way to the east coast of Africa in Madagascar. Oh, wow. I didn't, okay. So I didn't they realize they're that far west. Okay. Yeah. And then whenever I get to the Maldives, one of these days, um, and I get to go dive with sea turtles and everything whale like sharks. That, I am not whale sharks. They're out there, I'm sure, and I'm not going to go anywhere near them. <laughs> no. <laughs> I'll probably die of a heart attack. Don't say that. Knock on wood. But, you know, these octopus in general, a lot of the facts today apply to all octopus, and then we'll get in specifics on the blue ring, especially their venom and, and stuff like that. It's reading about cephalopods, and they're doing okay right now, but we don't have a lot of data on them, but we know the oceans are right. in crisis. We know that for a fact. The oceans are in crisis and, you know, this ocean acidification, the warming of the oceans, it's going to have a huge impact on them. But you, you cannot be naive and think that, you know, what doesn't affect one species won't affect the next because we talk about complex food webs. We're taking out whole chunks of that right now. It's going to affect all the octopuses in the ocean. You know, there's 300 species of octopus on the planet and that's going to have a detrimental effect. And Chris, just, I think it was today or yesterday, and we'll talk more about this perhaps in conservation news, but it's so apropos, I have to mention in this podcast, that marine biologists came out with a study in modeling and forecasting, and at the rate we're going in the oceans as a whole, from invertebrate to vertebrate, to marine mammal to fish, Mm -hmm. they are estimating that by the end of the century... One sixth of life in the ocean is gone. Okay. So I think that's like 17.5% or something. Uh, And And you're talking how many millions of species? I mean, we we open up with seven, there's over 7 million species of life on earth. You know, some of a lot of that's plants and insects and things like that. But you think, you think about the oceans, the oceans dominate the planet as far as land mass. Mm -hmm. So you think of all the life in the ocean. That is catastrophic. That is catastrophic. But they had a silver line. Like I am listening. Yeah. Oh. No, I'm saying our government. Like, are you idiots listening? I'm sorry. I'm not getting political, but we need. I was thinking the other day. I'm like, we need a transformer here in the United States. Just and then I'll get off my off my um, soapbox. But 
We need a cultural movement party in the U.S. And I know a lot over, especially in Europe and certain parts of Europe as well. There's always like left versus right, the two party system. And it's like this belief or that belief, but we need Mm -hmm. none of that, that we need like of the Mm -hmm. future party and not just like forward thinking, Mm -hmm. like, do we want to have a future or don't we? So yes. uh, But there was a silver lining with this paper that said, if we actually start doing things now to curb CO2 emissions, Mm -hmm that we can get that number down to only five instead of like 17 point whatever percent to only 5% mm-hmm. by the end of the century. Which is so it's still, already happening. Yeah. What, the, the ball, the, the ball's yeah. in motion. Like it's yeah. the damage is yeah. to is, you know, there's definitely gonna be some that suffer. I mean, we're already seeing it in corals and several other species of fish. So, uh, so yes, the oceans are in crisis and, uh, the octopus, although especially the blue ringed octopus, we don't know a lot about their population numbers. They've never been evaluated by the IUCN, which is one of our governing authorities for conservation nature, which Chris and I, of course, excellent scientists out there doing excellent work. We always refer to them and they haven't been evaluated. No, and it's just, you know, they're suffering. I mean, you just, you've taken away the corals where they, a lot of octopus species Mm -hmm. live and hide and those are gone all that life's gone on the coral. It's a totally dead ecosystem there now. And it's going to affect them. I mean, they just don't, like we said, and I've said this a million times, IUCN has limited budget. So we talked about orcas last week and we don't know their, their population. And that's one of the most iconic mammals in the oceans. So of course we don't have a census on some of these other species. It's just, they can't do it all. They can't, they're doing, they're working as hard as they can. And then the, the other thing, Angie, you know, why care, with octopus and and I'm not kidding you there was actually because we need paper. more <laughs> octopus YouTube videos that's why yes we do <laughs> and, and Octonation will give us like a, a totally long detail oh list, I watched but, a whole bunch on their website already yeah. they're fantastic yeah. I watched one about the oh, yeah. the uh the blue ring octopus eating and mm-hmm. yeah no that's that's an, it's a gnarly website go to it do yeah. do yourself yeah, a favor awesome. for sure yeah. All right. But, I don't know if it's a website. So it's, it's like a, it's a Facebook group fan group. club. Fan yes. Club, Facebook yeah. group and Instagram, but um, we'll talk about it at the end, but, and, and we did talk about this in vampire squid, but again, it was one of our earlier episodes that so we were still a little rough. Oh, I would edges. not even, you couldn't, you could not pay me. There's a few <laughs> things you couldn't pay me to do. Um, but in a lot of, okay, there's a lot that you couldn't pay me to do, and, but what <laughs> there's listening to that. <laughs> you definitely couldn't pay me to listen to our earlier podcasts. Like, no, I, I would quit. Yeah. Like I, I would quit. And I know we have a, besides our moms, we have a few more fans and I don't want to quit. So I'm just, I can't listen to them. The other no, thing I would no, never, no. and I don't know if I've ever told you this. The other thing I would, you, you cannot pay me enough money to like sit Go through. back to grad school. <laughs> no, Chris, my, sit one of my lectures. <laughs> Close. Uh, my master's defense, my exit interview. Oh, really? Yes. Oh, you and yeah, Warren turned tough. on me and I, I, I dug you. a hole and I couldn't get out and I freaked oh, out we inside. I went in the bathroom we and cried. You. Did you? Not, yeah. You I would awesome. never cry in front of you, please. But I, after it was no. like when I, you get sent out oh, of the room for them bad. to decide. Uh, well, no, it wasn't you guys. It was, I kept answering questions wrong. And then I, I didn't, I didn't know at that time that it was a good thing to say, I don't know. Yeah. And know. the more you study science but- and practice science, the more you learn, you sh- you get comfortable saying, I don't know, or 
let me get yeah. an expert for that or how yeah. do I figure yeah. it out? And I, I was nervous and I, I'm a choker. Even this day when I get a guitar on stage or whatever, I choke. John <laughs> always teases me. He's like, you always choke. Like bowling. I had a strike. The next time I bowl, gutter ball. <laughs> the gutter. Always. I'm such a choker. And so anyways, but yeah, so I choked and, uh, and so yeah, I, I'm like, oh man. And it was like a two hour event, right? At Nexit interview. You, or no, it is. let me go back. Okay. For us, it was a training exercise because you did such, Angie is one of the best grad students ever to grace that program. Her well, master's you. work it was, was a really a PhD yeah, project. It, was, it, it was absolutely intense. was. I was just trying to help you learn because I knew you were starting a PhD. You were, you, you walked in that room already graduated. Yeah. Okay. No, I so, know it's, it's a process, but it, no, I just remember that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there's just certain oh, things I, I couldn't, no, no. Oh gosh, no. It turned me into who I am today because I learned how to be able to back up my claims or just be very comfortable saying, I don't know. I don't or, know. And we do that on the podcast. You do it all the time. Oh, you don't know. All the yeah. time, exactly. Like, here you go. Here you go. Ooh, yes. So going back me. to our, uh-huh. the, the, the point of the vampire squid was, Reading this again, and there was an actual paper published, and I did, I refused to read it because I didn't have enough time and enough stuff to research for this podcast that said that literally believes octopus were delivered by a comet or something else, that they are extraterrestrial. Hmm. Because, which is a little out there. I don't think, I don't agree with that hypothesis. Well, I'll tell you what, the reason I totally didn't shut, shut it down, and obviously I haven't read the paper, yeah. and it's probably far fetched. A saying I, after taking invertebrate biology and learning, and this was so many years ago, and and once again, foreclosure in this podcast for all of our Octonation fans out there, I am not an invertebrate biologist, and so I'm it's it's a little tougher yeah. for Chris and I. Obviously, since we normally work with vertebrate species, mammals in particular, so yeah. I, uh, you know, but I, a thing that always stuck with me, and I don't know if I read it or said it or dreamt it. But if octopuses had a backbone, they would rule the world. I think you said that last week in orcas. Yeah. (laughs) Between them and orcas, it's Well, orcas have the backbone. They just got to get out of the water. So they're stuck in the water. I know. But, I mean, octopuses, they could, they can, they go out of the water. And I'll talk a lot about that when I get to behavior and intelligence and some of the wacky stunts and shenanigans they do. So no, but I mean, seriously, Chris, they are, Radical. They are different. They're radical. They're they radically this... intelligent and they, we have, you know, they, because they don't have a backbone, they're so separate from us on the evolutionary tree. Mm-hmm. It's like, how did that happen? How did they yeah. get so smart? Well, I'm about to get there. I just wanted to say that the, the scientific fact, besides that they were dropped off here on earth, like I told you the orcas were, that they are one of the most unique biological organisms on earth in the fact, and, and we don't have time in this podcast. Yeah. We're not going to do them justice. Physiology. Yeah. No, no. And we'll cover another octopus here soon or cephalopod is that they edit their RNA instead of their DNA. So most organisms on earth, including insects, they edit their DNA, their DNA gets edited and then they express it through RNA. Octopuses do it different. They edit their RNA, which baffles scientists. And that's why this guy's like, oh, they were dropped off here by a comet or meteor. (laughs) So anyways, it's what we could learn from that in science. That's why I care. There's not just they're beautiful. They belong there. They do a great job in the oceans. They're part of the food web. 
that fact, you know, and then going back to all the other species we've covered. Anyways. Well, and the really significant fact, I think, about DNA and RNA, if you're not like a genomics expert, is that the ability to edit RNA could have such important clinical impacts for disease. Because with DNA, you edit it, but there's a, your DNA makes tons of mistakes day, all day long, up and down the river when cells are dividing. But your body's so smart, you have all these DNA enzymes that come in and clean it up. And they notice mistakes and they fix them and they're really clever. Once in a great moon, they miss one. And that can be become repeated. That mistake, that one nucleotide mistake can be repeated time and time after again as your cells are multiplied and thus cancer, for instance, right? So if you can edit your RNA, that means you can fix any of those translated messages. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right? Is that, so, am yeah, I? Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, no, that's, that's what it is. It's a message. So yeah, they, 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 they change the message. They change the message in real they time. They have the ability to change the message. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. It's crazy. It's, and it's, that's a long, maybe boring for some. I'm <laughs> like, what? Am, like, that's what we're going to talk. I need, give me that paper right now. <laughs> no, we got octopus. We have, we're not even. Just kidding. They do some really piece. funny yeah. behavior called love play. So I, I want to get there. Oh, I can't wait. Okay. So let me get through evolution because. I didn't spend a ton of time on it knowing that we really wanted to focus on physiology behavior. With They're those, old uh, animals. They are very old. I mean, out of the 300 species, you have ones that have tentacles up to two meters long or little tiny ones. Like this one's a smaller one up to 30 grams. They belong to cephalopods. So they also have squid and cuttlefish are in there. Okay. Yeah. We have to do a cuttlefish. The, those guys are rad. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. I know. So the story begins over 500 million years ago when the first evidence of cephalopods began. And the oldest one is Tanuella, and that is the early Cambrian, which is about 522 million years ago. So that's when cephalopods first emerged, that long ago. That's, Survived all the mass extinctions. Say, that's dinosaur time. Yeah, oh, way before, way before way dinosaurs. Way before, okay. Way, 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 way Don't before Don't tell Xander. Okay. Yeah, I won't. Yeah, you're talking 300 million years before dinosaurs ever emerged. Dang, I mean, long time okay. Ago. Yeah. Shoot. Yeah. See there. So, and this one looked like a Nautilus. Okay. That's probably the one we should cover. The Nautilus. Shelled organisms. Now listen to this. This is again, the octopus did rule the earth, Angie, for 360 million years. They ruled the oceans. It wasn't until the Cretaceous period about 66 million years ago. That's dinosaur time. Yes. Fish and marine mammals started to take over. Marine animals, sorry, started to take over. And then the end of the dinosaurs. So you did have marine mammals emerging. Now, again, you know, any oceanic species, we say this, it's tough to study them fossil wise, even more so for octopus or cephalopods because they're soft bodied. You know, they, they don't lend themselves to fossilization. So what we do know is octopus specifically started about 100 million years ago. Okay. So cephalopods, 500 million octopus over a million years ago, they started emerging. And then really 2.6 million years ago is really when they diverged out to this path to the 300 species we see today. Okay. So that's the, the quick and dirty on cephalopod evolution. Now the blue ring octopus specifically, the class is the cephalopod. The order is octopoda. Then you get down to the family, families octopodidae. And then the genus, oh, these names, Angie. I know. <laughs> okay, here we go. Forget about it. 
Hapalocleena. I hope that's right. Hapalocleena. I'm going to go with it. It sounds that's great to me. That's their genus name. Mm-hmm. Okay, so of the, the four confirmed, six suspected, the two I kind of wanted to talk about was the greater blue-ringed. So that is Hapalocleena lunulata. Lunulata. Yeah, and I like that. Lunulata, yeah. And they're in northern Australia to Japan as far west as Sri Lanka. Then the southern blue-ringed octopus, this is for our friends down in Australia. It's South Australia, temperate waters. This is Hapalocleena Makalusa, Losa, Makalusa, sure. Now, the largest octopus, do you know this one? I don't know, your son did. I think he knew it. I asked him what color it was. Oh. And he said red. I wondered what he was answering red. I know I don't know it. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure, sure. So the giant Pacific octopus is the largest octopus, not largest cephalopod. Okay. We'll, We'll save that for another day. But the giant... Uh, Pacific octopus, the largest octopus, weighs 160 pounds or 70 kilograms. Others claim they get up to 600 pounds or 270 kilograms. What? That's yeah. huge. It, an arm span of 14 or 30 feet or nine meters. Wow. Yeah. So they still need, there's still some debate on it. Okay. Octonation will probably correct us, but they're huge. Huge, huge octopus. So quite strong, quite strong. Now, the blue ring, when you look at how long they live, they only live about two years. That's about right for octopus. I mean, they're a little less. The average is three to five years for most octopus. Uh, they, they don't live long. No, long they, they go fast and hard. Right. Okay, here we go. This is the fun part. Yay. Physiology. <laughs> After all that lead up. So they just where do oh. we start? <laughs> okay, so here we go. They're, they're soft bodied, right? There's only two solid parts of the body in an octopus, and it's it's like similar to bone or cartilage, and that's its mouth. So its beak. Mm-hmm. So it has a beak like a parrot, and so that's where it can crack shells and grind some food. And then there's a small plate in the back of their head, which I, I wasn't aware of, that protects the brain. So that is what. You know, you're going to talk some of their behaviors, but when they squeeze through things, those are the only two things that are preventing it from squeezing through. Gotcha. Are those two little cartilage bony like protrusions. Mm-hmm. So other than that, they can squeeze through almost anything, right? Like you have evidence. Of oh that. yeah. Some real, uh, some funny escape stories. artists. Yeah. Escape artists. <laughs> this is going to blow you away. Oh wait. Uh, well, uh, the oh, RNA, I like I was kind of like drop the mic. I'm ready to be done. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I was going to be done after Xander told me all this stuff. I was going to save it for a little bit, but I want to tell you this first. The octopus has nine brains. Nine brains. Think about that. How in the heck? That's how smart they are, right? Nine brains. Lord knows I could use one more. I don't need nine. I don't need eight more, but I, one more. Would- I'm like, what? How? Nine brains. So what do you think? What do you think of all those brains are, if you had to guess? Ah, well... They definitely yeah. have one in their head. You probably head. did your homework. Yes. That's that's the one that's central brain mm-hmm. that controls the your nervous, nervous system. system. Right. Very important. Mm-hmm. And just because I'm good with numbers, I know that they have. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> Google it real quick. I studied. Uh, I, know. I, know, I know that they have a lot of neural tissue in their arms. Yeah. And they call it a brain. I'm like, what? 
So I started looking up brain physiology and all that stuff and, and the definition of brain, but what's the punchline with that? Why would each tentacle have its own separate brain is what they're calling a brain. Well, we all know that two brains are better than one. And so eight brains are definitely going to be better than one. And that way each arm can do its own thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like what? Mm-hmm. What? They they operate independently of each other. Like what? That – I was like sitting there for a while staring at the screen. I'm like, am I reading this right? Like each arm can think for itself. Yes. With the central ner- – with the, the – the not the central nervous system, but the the uh, nervous system. Neurons. The brain they right? have developed so, Neurons, yeah. yeah. They two-thirds of the neurons that make up their body are in their arms. So yeah. the larger yeah. portion – and Chris, in addition to that, so they have all these neurons in their arms and there's lots of different types of neurons. The recent studies have shown that they uh, they have nociceptors, which that's just a really fancy science term for pain receptors in their arms. And so they can, ha- they have different sensations. So they're like a sense receptor for pain among other among touch, mm-hmm. among pressure, all these different things. And yeah. so they're a lot more dynamic than I think researchers originally had thought. And it's because of this complex neurology uh, within within their arms. It's, yeah. I mean, okay. And, and just to throw this out there too, 90% of the octopus body is muscle, right? So we'll get to why that's important here in a second. So each tentacle is pretty much just muscle. But it operates by itself. We just talked about that. There's no bones in it, so it can bend in any angle and can go in almost any direction. Each tentacle has, on average, around 230 cups. Okay? Each cup has sensitivity of a fingertip. So that's almost like 1,800 fingers that the octopus has. Right? 8 times 230 equals around 1,800. This is, you know, you're talking about sensory neurons. They have about a thousand sensory receptors in each cup compared to, we have about 240 in each finger. Right. So they can sense better. And then they can manipulate each sucker or cup individually. Mm -hmm. So then, okay, you're talking, you know, on average, 230 suckers or cups on the arm. Each one can hold about a third of a pound or 170 grams. So each arm roughly can hold 18 pounds or eight kilograms. And then, you know, that's how they attach their prey and hold them with ease. So it's just crazy. Now, like I said, they're made mostly of muscle. So that means we know with muscle, you need lots of oxygen and energy. So like your children knew, they have three Mm -hmm. hearts. Three hearts. I mean, <laughs> so only nine brains, but they three know hearts. how to problem solve. They're like, okay, it's developmental biology is just uh, incredible. Like evolutionary biology. Uh, I, it, man, it I'd love to go back and study more of that. But yeah, yeah. So, like you said, okay, we need more, uh, you know, we obviously need more oxygen to work these muscles and to remove waste and things like that. So, boom, okay, we got to pump. Pump the blood all over the body. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so they do have a closed circulatory system. It's not open like some other invertebrates. Right. So they have vessels that carry blood to the mm-hmm. tissue. Now, of the three hearts, one is the systemic heart, 
and that carries blood throughout the body. The two, they're called brachial hearts and they're, or branchial, yeah, branchial hearts centered around the gills, right? So, you know, again, circulating oxygen. I, one of our, maybe it was vampire squid. We talked about how gills work. You know, you're exchanging, uh, oxygen really through there. And it, and it, obviously it's not as, the tissue isn't as effective as say lungs. But they have all those little grooves and valleys and stuff to get water across so they can absorb the oxygen from there. So those two hearts are working on that. Now, this is interesting. When an octopus swims, the systemic heart, the one that pumps all the blood, stops beating. So they tire quickly. They don't, they don't like to swim. They like to walk, Crawl. you know, slowly mm-hmm. move around. Yeah. Yeah. Now I know you know this and I forgot to ask Xander this, but their blood is blue. Color blue. I know. It's like, okay, what else is, maybe they are. Maybe this guy is right. Maybe I should go hang out with this crazy scientist who thinks they were dropped off on Earth. Well, they're just fun. It's like sci-fi, right? You know? It is. It is. This is so, it's, it's normal because it works and they're doing quite well and they've done quite well for 500 million years. So you've been teaching physiology. But you've been teaching physiology about, Humans. you know, human yeah, anatomy, animals, yes. and mammalian yeah. anatomy. Okay. Why in the heck is their blood blue? Well, in order to survive where they live, they've evolved to use copper as the metal that carries oxygen instead of iron. Iron is what mammals use, vertebrates. We all use iron, mm-hmm. uh, which is on the outside of red blood cells, which helps bind the oxygen to the red blood cell. And so without diving too deep in the literature, I'm assuming that they just use copper attached to their red blood cells instead of iron. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, extreme temperatures is what I was reading, you know, and, and the copper uh, binds it. Now, thinking about that, I thought about, okay, their ink, you know, because, you know, the Prototypical octopus people are squid. They squirt mm-hmm. ink. So what octopus or octopuses have is they have ink sacs near the gills. When threatened, they do emit the ink and then a jet of water to shoot it out. And that's usually to disorient anybody messing with them or mm-hmm. a predator so they can get away. And what it is, is it's melanin. So it is actually red in color, but it's so dense that it's like dark brown gotcha. or black. So and, and melanin is just the protein that's pigmented. Now let's go to blue ring octopus specifically. A lot of those facts apply. Right. To, well, I was going to say, except for the ink one, but yeah. keep going. Yeah. Yeah. Apply to all the other species. Now the blue ring octopus is known to be extremely dangerous because they have a toxin. And it, it, the interesting fact about octopuses is that they're all venomous in some yes. way. And Xander in the beginning told you how venom's delivered. If they're not poisonous, they're venomous. And it's through their bite. That's how they, they do that. Now, the blue ring octopus has a neurotoxin called tetrodoxin. And that's actually produced. Did I say it right? I would say, uh, tetro, tre- yeah, tetrodotoxin. Yeah, okay. A, 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 tre- or maybe tratadotoxin. <laughs> I don't know. Tratad. <laughs> Let's have a sound off. Let me go back to some toxin. Tratadotoxin. Nasty toxin mm-hmm. is what it is. And it's, it's produced by bacteria in the salivary glands in the mouth. Right. That's what rocked my world. Yeah. It's, it's the bacteria in their right. mouth. 
that's producing this toxin. That's crazy. And I know there, you know, we'll get to conservation. I mean, people are looking at this, uh, again, scientifically, if we go back to why care for medical, possible medical uses. Now, if for humans, for us, the bite's painless, generally. You don't even know you've been bitten until you start, you can't breathe because it, it's a neurotoxin paralyzes your muscles. And what that does is then you can't breathe and you, and you die because you can't breathe. You can't get oxygen to all your organs and stuff. So it leads to respiratory arrest. Well, yeah, this uh, tetradoxin is really crazy stuff. And so it's very potent. And by neurotoxin, it obviously affects the nerves. But I had to dork out and dive deeper because I'm really into this kind of stuff. I love, I, I love really <laughs> small like hormones and neurotransmitters and I guess toxins yeah. you can't see. Mm-hmm. I should have paid more attention to chemistry. Um, but anyways, no. but what it does is tetradoxin is a sodium channel blocker. And basically, more or less, unless you're taking my anatomy and physiology class and you're not getting tested <laughs> on it, all you really need to know yeah. is that these sodium channels are all along neurons, along their axons. Mm-hmm. And they're basically closed until they get a signal or a neurotransmitter tells them to open. And then that starts the cascade of action potential or the neuron firing, like the electrical signal. And it's way more involved than that. But what this tetradoxin is doing is saying, uh-uh, sodium channels, you're not working. You can't fire. So it literally stops nerves from firing. And nerves are really important to move your muscles. I mean, they're ne- neurons and nerves are important for a whole host of things, but they, you know, they, they fire on skeletal muscles. So if you want to do a jumping jack, that's your brain telling your skeletal muscles to move. And so when that doesn't happen, you're paralyzed and death by paralysis actually involves a diaphragm is usually what gets you is if the diaphragm can't move to help you start to help you breathe with your lungs and take an oxygen, that's how you die. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's very potent. And usually people that have survived, it's because people can see. Right. Yes. So if you suspect that you've been bitten, uh, you obviously want to get to a hospital ASAP. And yes, basically applying artificial respiration, respiration can help keep a person alive until the uh, neurotoxin moves its way through the system. But did you come across any data on just how potent it is? It's, um, what was it? A thousand times more powerful than cyanide can kill up to 26 humans in minutes. Yeah. I got a couple different numbers when it was compared to cyanide. I'm not as familiar with cyanide as a toxin. Um, so, and, um, and some resources said 10,000, times deadlier than cyanide or 10 to a hundred times more lethal as a black widow, which is a, um, a venomous spider here in the States. So yeah, very, very potent. And, and obviously it works as one of their hunting strategies or main hunting strategies yeah. for their food. Yeah. yeah and, I, and I read, you know, if you can survive the first 24 hours, you, you'll survive it. You know, it doesn't come back and haunt you later. And at the end, I'll give you the statistics on, you know, how deadly? How deadly the yeah they are because there's no anti venom. That's it's, it's scary. Right. You know there there is no way to counteract this unlike you know uh, some snakes and stuff that we talked right. about. Right now, some of the things that will eat octopus, uh, fish, birds, some whales, dolphins, uh, they they tend to natural predators. 
for specifically the blue ring octopus, two things that right now with human activity, some people just kill them because they're scared of them because they know they're deadly, which is really sad. And then the venom industry in Australia, which I won't go there, but they're harvesting them to collect the venom. For what reason? For what? I don't know. I have no idea. To try to make an anti-venom? I don't want to. Yeah. No, I don't think so. I don't know. Drug industry, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. It's illegal, though. It's an illegal industry that's collecting them, from what I understand. Well, our Octonation so. fans are going to have to help us out there, Chris. Do a little bit mm-hmm. of homework. Our Aussie fans. <laughs> yeah. Yes. We are. We're just a two-man uh, band here, folks. We cannot cover it I all. Know. Well, we get lost in physiology. We start doing that physiology, and we go down so many rabbit holes. It's it's fun. Oh, it's yeah. Really fun. Totally. Now, blue ring octopuses specifically feed on small crabs, hermit crabs, shrimp that it hunts during the day. And then Angie, this is what's really unique about them too. They have two types of venom. So one of the venoms is just for hunting crabs. And then the extremely toxic one is used in defense. Oh, okay. So that must be the tretodoc, tetrado, yeah, whatever. Or, yeah. Yeah. The that's one what we talked about. Yeah. Yeah. The, the deadly one. So, what's so what the they other do one, is they secrete. The other one is really not so horrible venom, but probably will kill you venom. Maybe. Do you think so it's the other one the just diluted are... down? <laughs> I don't know. I didn't do that. I'm just going. <laughs> okay, sorry. <laughs> just, I'm talking about what they eat. You know me. I, I know. just love toxins and neurotransmitters. Okay, after... <laughs> I'm sorry. All right. Here, teaching moment, teaching moment, teaching moment. Angie, that's a very good question. Why don't you go research that? And then next week's episode, you can tell all our listeners what you I found. do that to my class every day and they never come back. They're like, whatever, lady. I'm not doing extra work. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't even know what species we're doing next well, week. Well, okay. Like, what? How remember. about this though? You have your two venoms that you learned about that you don't know any answers about. Mm-hmm. I learned that the blue ringed octopus is actually immune to its own venom. And not only are they immune to their own venom, but pathology studies have shown that this trototoxin is found in nearly every organ and gland in its body, even sensitive areas such as their brachial heart, their gills, their needum sac. I don't even know what that is. Octonation, help me out. Uh, so it's just crazy. It has it in its system and it has no effect on them. So they are able to, they have some kind of blocker, right? Like they, it, it, or it doesn't bind to their cells or. Yeah, they're immune to they're it. They're immune yeah. to it, which is yeah. crazy. And to even blow your mind one step further to jump ahead to reproduction with females and offspring. And we're going to get there and talk about some of their, their breeding reproduction behavior. But mama octopus will actually inject this neurotoxin into her eggs to help them make it and make sure that they can generate their own venom before they can hatch because they're, they're on their own right after they hatch. Now I, I need to know, I don't know. Don't ask me any questions about that, (laughs) about that physiology. No, no. I, I, cause I'm like, we're going to go down this rabbit hole. I did your homework But if there's bacteria, like is how is the bacteria involved? Like we can, yeah, that's, that's the, well, maybe the back, yeah, I don't know. Okay. So the other venom type is maculotoxin. Okay. Thank you, okay. Google. There you go. I did your homework for you. Now I'm going to go back to O-Search while you're talking. <laughs> if anybody remembers last week's episode. Oh no, that was the great white shark episode that people have to pay oh, Patreon yeah. to look yeah, at. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> go look at O-Search after the podcast. O-C-E-R-C-H. 
track shark track. No, it's O C E A R C H. Yeah, I can't spell. So, all right. So the 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 less toxic venom they use for hunting crab, the other type they use for defense. And they secrete it in their saliva and made by bacteria. We don't we don't know, folks. Yeah, they they still are learning a lot. They think maybe that they secrete it in the water and then they bite to get to get it. Yeah, Chris, I read that they have a few different hunting strategies. One mm-hmm. of them is where they'll entice a prey into its vicinity and then basically let the venom go into the water around the creature. And the, the and then bite it. To yeah. like yeah, to soften yeah. or to start paralyze it and then they'll get it. Another one is of course the direct, the typical way where they direct directly inject the venom. And then the third way they do this, they think that they do this thing where they capture the prey and then they form an airtight pouch around it. Hmm. And then they'll basically insert the venom into the pouch. The victim will have to take the venom in through its respiratory system. Wow. Wow. So wow. it probably depends on the type of prey. I'm just hypothesizing yeah. how they, yeah. how they yeah, hunt differently. Like a fish or something. Yeah. But yeah. once again, several different strategies that they've evolved, uh, in order to figure out how to best feed themselves. Yes. All right. This is the next big section. That's just basic physiology. There's so much more we could go Like not talk very about, good. I give us a no. C minus at best. <laughs> Uh, I give myself a B plus. My Google <laughs> skills are amazing. All right, Angie. So reading about behavior, this one blew me away and then I'll let you go because you, I'm sure you have tons of stuff on behavior. 17 slides, Re- Chris. We've got oh, 17. God. Okay. Uh, I'm going to be on O search. Researchers <laughs> have discovered that octopuses in Indonesia, listen to this. When seas are stormy, they will actually grab two coconut halves of a shell and close it shut and stay inside until the weather passes. So they will actually close up into a coconut to protect themselves during stormy weather. Mm-hmm. Like that's insane. That's I, and I know Octonation had a video on it a, a few weeks ago, and I was like, oh my god, it was so awesome. That is nuts. Oh yeah, is nuts. Yes, I mean their behavior is radical. Uh, what you described there falls under tool use, and so. When you talk about intelligence and learning, it's basically the process of acquiring information, storing memories, retrieving it, combining different things, comparing different situations, putting it in new contexts, and having these conceptual skills. And of course, this is hard to assess in land mammals even. Uh, and scientists are figuring out how to do it for different species, right? We just keep finding out they're smarter and smarter, whether it's an orca or uh, an elephant that can recognize themselves in a mirror, all these different tests. But learning about creatures that live in the sea is often very difficult too, because we're so far removed from them. And if you're bringing them into a laboratory environment, that can change a lot of factors. But what we know in general about cephalopods, cuttlefish, squid, octopus, they're hands down the most intelligent invertebrates and they definitely have advanced cognitive evolutionary skills. Uh, and it's really a fascinating and kind of growing interest in a lot of zoologists. And as you, you know, as you found, there's a lot of papers out there about it. 
they exhibit a lot of different, more higher cognitive levels of learning. Like I said, tool use, problem solving, spatial discrimination, navigation abilities, adapting predator techniques. Um, so it's just, there's the examples go from what Chris mentioned as far as the coconut shells. And there's great videos out there of that. There's a plethora of anecdotal stories out there about octopuses under human care that it one recently one escaped their enclosure, how it got out. They don't know, but then it chose to like, it found a drain that basically fed into the ocean. So it freed itself. Yeah. It's like the movie, uh, finding Nemo part two. Yeah. 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 Dory, Dory. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like real deal. Uh, they've been known to climb out of their tanks, maneuver across the lab, go into another aquarium, eat crabs, Okay, and that, that alone is like, whoa, that's pretty crazy. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. But in a documented instance, they actually came back and put themselves to bed in their own aquarium <laughs> over and over again because they basically knew that they were going to get in trouble if the keepers busted them, right? <laughs> so they, they knew to sneak space. out. Like They're like a teenager. Like a teenager knows to they're sneak out their, after mom and dad space, go to bed. Yeah. They do their thing and they're like, oh, okay, I better get back and like play, like, yeah. you know, hide in bed and yeah, it's just, just crazy stuff. Uh, there is documentation of them opening a child proof pill bottle, which I sometimes have a hard time with. Yeah. Yeah. Those suckers, I'm telling you, those suckers are powerful. They've been observed manipulating objects that looks like them playing. This one octopus that was bored taught himself to juggle. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even kidding. Uh, and people that. What species are we doing again? Know, seriously. What is this? My husband can juggle. It's pretty amazing. It was, uh, oh, uh, but anyways, uh, and time and time again, people that work with them talk about octopuses having distinct personalities. What does that mean? So it's funny. I was actually talking about this with Xander before the podcast because he was asking, Oh, they're smart and how so? And. I get to study personalities in another lab that I work in part-time for a, a neurophysiologist. And personalities, obviously, they're different, right? Like they're, some people are more anxious. Some people are more laid back. And although personality is a really huge topic in psychology and neurobiology, but what makes your personalities is basically how do you react to things, both good and bad. And you do this in a consistent way. So, of course, once in a while, I react poorly to um, a crappy situation. Everybody does that. But in general, I'm usually an optimist. So that's one of my personality traits. I'm an optimist. And so it's typically considered personality to be a higher cognitive thing with animals. And time and time again in laboratory experiments, researchers are are documenting that basically octopuses – have these distinct, like they're predictable. They have, they, what, what they love and what they don't like, what they fear is different from individual to individual, but yet consistent mm -hmm. for that individual. Hmm. And so like shy, shy. Oh, this, you know, Hank mm -hmm. is always shy or, oh, Susie's mm -hmm. really gregarious and outgoing and social. So <laughs> just really, you know, really interesting stuff. They also in experiments, can distinguish between different shapes and patterns. So 
it's just nuts. <laughs> they, uh, yeah. in fact, yeah. interestingly enough, um, and interestingly enough, due to their intelligence, a lot of cephalopods are protected by animal testing regulations in, um, in the United Kingdom and, and across the European U- Union because they're recognizing that like, wow, these guys are, um, you know, they're deep thinkers, Radical. right? They yeah. are, I mean, yeah. Yeah. so yeah, I, I think we have a lot to learn. Like, I think the really interesting way to look at it is it depends on how you define it. They're so alien to us that I think we don't even know how to test their intelligence. Does that make sense? Like we, I shouldn't say we, I'm not the scientist actually doing it. And I think scientists are doing a great job, but in general, as a scientist, I don't care who you are, including myself, we like to put things in a box. Like this fits into this category, this fits Mm -hmm. in that category. And of course, Mm -hmm. a lot of times we create new categories and things when we come across something exceptional. And I think the octopus is exceptional and we just, where we know, we know that it's really amazing, but, but they, we still have a lot more to learn and they have a lot more to teach us about themselves. And of course about Mm. ourselves, I think. Yeah, no, I, their behaviors, their intelligence, their physiology, we'll get to repro in a second. One thing I've read up on was their mimicry, which octopuses can do. It's one of the few animals on earth that can use mimicry and camouflage at the same time. So they can actually mold it in, into a three-dimensional object. So like different corals, um, algae. And while they're doing that, they're, they're mimicry, right? They're molding their body into something that looks like that. They do this almost simultaneously. They change the color of their skin to blend in and it like changes instantly, almost instantly. So, you know, they, they've studied some of this in the reflector cells and the pigment cells in their skin. But to be able to look at a coral and see a shark and go, Oh, I don't want to die. Go and look like a coral. Oh, ha, ha, sucker. You can't see me. You know, it just. Well, it's so wow. funny. I'm prepping for this podcast and A, thinking about camouflage and B, thinking about how, like you said, they can mimic 3D objects, which is just bizarre. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay. I have a question for you, Chris. Any animal superpower, what would you pick? <laughs> I'm going to be an octopus now. Like, I know. That's what I, so I'm always like, oh, my yeah. animal superpower is definitely be yeah. a bird so I can fly because that'd just be so right. cool. And I've flown in my dreams before and it's pretty radical. But <laughs> I'm like, I think. What did you eat? <laughs> I have very, very vivid, like lucid dreams. It's, and it's cool because my kids have inherited it and John's getting better remembering. You just have to practice talking about yeah, dreams right. and then you can, whatever. Right. But yes, no, uh, so I, Flown a lot. It's super fun. But anyways, but that was always my super, my animal super strength I'd want. But I don't, after studying not only the camouflage to be able to be the sandy color or gray color of rocks or brown and black to blend in, which Chris and I didn't even give that the no, light of day about their physiology like, yeah, on this 30 podcast. Minutes, yeah. But the other thing, of course, a blue ringed octopus do very well is aposomatism. And basically that's a fancy word for advertising your toxicity with this beautiful blue iridescent glowing ring Ring. that they have. And I read up 25 to 50, probably depending on the species. Mm -hmm. Uh, And Chris will put some wonderful show notes uh, with pictures and all this so you can see them if you're not familiar with the species. But as I was sitting there thinking, I'm like, 
I would, that would be probably my second choice animal superpower to, I mean, imagine this. I'm sitting across the dinner table from my kids and they're misbehaving and I give them the stink eye and they know the stink eye, but wouldn't it be way cooler if I could just all of a sudden like start flashing blue circles all over my body? (laughs) I feel like every 10 minutes. I know. (laughs) I would behave. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like. How cool, how, what a cool warning signal. Like I wouldn't even have to say a word. I would just start flashing blue circles and it means watch out. Mama's, mama's giving you a warning. Your face gets red. Yeah. I, know, I think I it know, would mean like... more than the stink eye because the stink eye, uh, you know, my oldest has started like giving it back to me because he thinks it's hilarious and he does have a great <laughs> sense of humor. So I think it's hilarious that he thinks it's hilarious. And then anyways, so I think, yeah. So. Totally octopus is my new superhero animal, hands down. Yeah. Octonation, I get it. It's, I'm a believer. Yeah. I'm a fan. Uh, we didn't even talk about how they are able to do this color change through the chromatophore cells. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But basically, a lot of ocean-dwelling animals it will flash these, these bright lights, uh, like the vampire mm-hmm. squid, for instance, and the blue ring octopus have these chromatophores, which are basically pigment-containing light-reflecting cells. And... So what will happen is the cell has pigmented granule granules in it, which obviously in the blue ring octopus, they reflect a blue color mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. muscles around them either contract or either contract and, and or dilate them to basically show off the pigment, the granule, yeah. the granulated pigments inside each cell. And so obviously it's way more complex than that, but it's cool physiology. Obviously us humans don't have it. Land mammals nope. don't have it. It would be my <laughs> no. superpower of choice. Yeah, no, I think it's I think it's way cool. So we we did touch touch upon some of the repro. Um, I'm, I'm interested because it was again I think uh, one of the planet Earths. It was the episode with the giant Pacific octopus and how the mom laid the eggs and like for a year just stayed there and she dies protecting the eggs and nourishing them. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious to see how how it is with the the blue ringed. Yeah, so there's some similarities there. Uh, basically, they are super moms and kind of a – we'll get there of why they're super moms. They're a different type of super mom than we've seen. And octopuses usually live a solitary lifestyle, but they will come together for breeding purposes. And typically a female – and this is going to be in the southern species of blue-ringed octopus. Uh, the female, she'll initiate a little bit of courtship. By doing certain color flashes. I think that'd be fun for my superhuman kind of want, want animal superpowers. But she does a little flashing. She does a little posturing and tells the male to come over, which he does. And it's been documented that the courtship will consist of love play and caressing. So that's really fascinating, right? For an invertebrate. You wouldn't, you wouldn't, yeah, you wouldn't yeah, think yeah. that. And then, of course, the male uh, uses a modified arm. There's a joke there just waiting to happen. <laughs> <laughs> we won't go there. We have kids listening. And then the male uses his modified arm, which is also called a hectocoidalis. I think I'm saying that right, probably wrong, which uh-huh. is, like I said, a modified arm consisting of a groove between the suckers and ending in a spoon-like tip where he'll deposit sperm in the female's oviduct, which is located under her mantle. Okay. Mm-hmm. And shortly after mating, 
the female will lay her eggs and she incubates them. I love this. I love this. She incubates them under her arms for about six months. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. And yeah, yeah, the super show, mom yeah. doesn't eat while she's incubating her eggs because nope. obviously she needs her arms to eat. But for all of us moms that have a million things in their arms, I come out of my car every day after school and work with the boys and I ha- I'm like the bag lady and cups and just all that, like you, you, you need your arms. And so if you're, if you had your, if you're incubating your clutch of up to 50 eggs, depending on the species, yeah, you have to just yeah. kind of just hang out, right? So incredible, so dedicated because wait for it. She does all this work. I don't want to say for not, but basically what will happen is the eggs will hatch. The juvenile octopuses will sink to the floor and look for prey because they're immediately independent. And the female dies. Yep. yep, I mean, that's all of us mamas and dadas like you out there. We would die for our young figuratively. But then when you you put it literally, you're like, which kid? What's the day look like? Okay. So she, she, she suffers for those months, right? Or she's doing that, but the dad dies after mating. So we'll give him that. So after the males mate, they're done. Their life purpose is over. They become fish food. But did they starve for six months before they die? (laughs) No, I'm saying she suffered. I said she suffers. I I get it. So, so he's not a super dad, cassowary dad, Rob Lang dad. He's a good donor. <laughs> Fair enough. I'll, I'll 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 give it that. Yeah, yeah, hey, come that. on. He's not like you know, Mr. Well, Honeybadger. He does, he does some love. Yeah, he care does about some love playing, caressing. So he's not a total, you know, a, a total jerk. Uh, yeah, yeah, Dead yeah. Beat, yeah. So, does, yeah. so but these little juvenile octopuses begin to eat at about one week of egg age. They find little crab pieces, and because one of the other things we mentioned briefly earlier in the podcast is. The mom sets them up for success by, which is a weird way to set your kid up for success, but by mm-hmm. dosing those eggs or dousing, however you, I don't know the actual physiology of how she does it, but she basically exposes the eggs to the neurotoxin. So they either mm-hmm. A, become immune to it or start being able to secrete it basically right from birth, uh, which because they need it to kill prey and they're independent. They have to start, they have a hard life and they have to go, go, go from the get-go hunting. Mm -hmm. So just, Mm -hmm. just really, really incredible parent parenting and just, just really interesting. And we didn't do it justice. Sorry for our Octonation fans out there. It could probably be a whole pod because uh, the behaviors seem pretty cool. Yeah. Oh, we're going to revisit cephalopods. I I know it. I know it. I know it for sure. Now we did say conservation data deficient. We just don't know. We've talked about that. We've talked about the, the oceans are in peril. So we, we've driven that home. The organization this week, if you haven't been listening, <laughs> is Octonation. So, you know, what, what uh, was listen it again? to that interview. What was the organization of the week? Octonation. Have you heard it in the last <laughs> yes. hour and a half? You're busy yes. on O-Search. So, you know, the Octonation, the largest octopus fan club, it's committed to uniting a community of cephalopod enthusiasts to educate, entertain, and empower others about cephalopods through a new, unique mix of science, education, and community. Yes, we definitely need a, we need to get a cephalopod 
expert on the podcast yes. for an interview. That'd be yes. awesome. For sure. For sure. They, they are an amazing group. I've, I met Warren a few months ago. Uh, we'll tell his story and more on Octonation this, this coming week. They have a beautiful, incredible, fun Facebook group. It's Octonation. So O-C-T-O-N-A-T-I-O-N for those of us that can't spell like me. <laughs> uh, Octonation, you can follow them on Instagram. Always active, always posting amazing, amazing videos of these cephalopods. So, you know, shout out to the Octonation and, and check them out, please, please. Now, conservation tip of the week, we're basically, we're back in the oceans. Overfishing's a threat. That's the big thing that I'm, I'm going to talk this week. I didn't know this, so I'm going to start looking for it. But seafood, we can start shopping for sustainable seafood. Okay. And I don't think we've mentioned this before. <clears throat> but when, you, when you're shopping for seafood, look for the Marine Stewardship Council, which is MSC, and Aquaculture Stewardship Council, ASC labels. Now, I don't know if that's outside the United States, but for, you know, in your home country, if you have something similar. So they're blue and green fish logos that ensure your fish are traced back to sustainable man- managed fisheries or fish farms, which is a whole nother podcast. But, you know, at least we have, we're, we're not fishing the oceans out, which they are. They right. are. It's, it's horrible. Yeah. I just talked, John and I were just talking today. We, we got to go on lunch date today and skip out and work a little bit. Uh, but we, uh, I was, you know, we were talking about doing the tuna or another, I know, uh, Jonathan wants a salmon, right? Right. Right. So yeah. getting a little bit more out yeah. of our comfort zone and talking about, uh, fish that's heavily consumed right. and, uh, obviously, yeah. obviously you and I would focus on their biology and physiology, but yeah. we could also, yeah. I could educate. I don't know a ton about that industry, to be honest. Yeah. Um, okay. Jonathan, it's coming. Learn. That's our, our buddy up in British Columbia. It's coming. It's coming. And, you know, maybe not eat octopus or eat it as often, you know, right. somebody Absolutely. near and dear to my heart yes. loves octopus. You well, know, we know they can feel in their tentacles, right? So my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. I still love her. Um, but you know, anyways, it's just, we need to be sustainable in our oceans. And I just want to do a quick shout out to this challenge that all creatures podcast is going to hold. We're going to have a team right now. There's two people on the team. If you guessed me and Chris, you guessed right. Uh, we will be putting it on our Facebook page and then also in our Facebook group for you to join with us. And we can do this July plastic free challenge together. Don't be scared away from it. It is not going completely fat plastic free and involves a lot of different aspects of learning about how to be more sustainable within the environment. So yes, plastics is part of it, learning about that, but there's also food topics, personal care topics, community. You get points if you help out in your community, like how Chris picked up beach litter the other day, you get points Mm -hmm, for that. mm -hmm. There's lifestyle, there's pets, there's things you can do with your pets that are more eco-friendly. Of course, there's family activities. So it's not just all about like, not getting a straw. I mean, of course you get points if you do that, but yeah. the really cool part about it, uh, all a whole bunch of other animal organizations are doing this. You don't have to be an animal organization to do this. I just learned mm-hmm. about it through, um, the American association of zoos and aquariums. And a lot of, there's a lot of different teams throughout that. So you can interact and challenge with other teams and, or you mm-hmm. can interact with yourselves and give tips. Like for instance, I'm going to be traveling a lot in the month of July with my family. And so this is going to be very hard for me to, to be super sustainable. Cause when you travel with kids, it's like, it's very difficult, yeah. but these yeah, community right. boards, we can interact with each other to help 
give each other advice and talk about, it's a really positive experience. Uh, I did it last year with my husband's zoo. And so this year I want all creatures podcast to beat them. <laughs> not that I'm, com- not yes, that I'm competitive. Yes. So this is going to be, if you want, if you, if you're super excited and you want to go today before Chris and I put up the, the link, you can just go to plasticfree.ecochallenge.org and search all creatures podcast and our team will come up and you can join our team. And it's literally that simple, but we will have a lot more coming on our Facebook and Instagram and yeah. our private groups to get you guys excited. And so it's not just Chris, myself, my mom, yeah. a few more people. We want more people, yeah. as many people as possible yeah. to yeah. learn. It's all yeah. about learning. Yeah. It's all about educating ourselves. Yeah. Please join our, our Facebook group. It's just, I, I think I, I don't know, I'll mess with it and see if you can just join without me approving it, but I go through and, and look at all of the approvals. So uh, we'll definitely be posting more there. Now at the beginning, I said, how deadly is the blue ring octopus? I mean, it is incredibly deadly, but how, how has it affected humans? The great news is there have been no deaths reported since the 1960s. Yes. So we're going on, you know, 50 plus years. Nobody has died. Right. And I kind of jumped over it uh, for lack of time because I want to talk mm-hmm. so much about their intelligence. But octopus in general, especially the uh, blue ringed octopus, they're very shy. So yeah, they don't want to be they, You pretty much have to egg them on. In fact, I think it was in 2008 uh, – a man from Australia, I believe, came mm. home and he had put a whole bunch of shells in his pockets that his daughters or kids mm-hmm. had collected. Yeah, you mentioned that. And yeah. he gets out and there's like a blue ring octopus that had been obviously hiding on a shell in his pocket. And then it turns out there, I think there were two that had hitched, that had hitched, <laughs> hit, hit, hitchhiked all the way home from the Elizabeth ocean. Australia. And he was fine. Like they didn't attack him because like mm. luckily he didn't. No. Sma- you know, he didn't actually bump them or whatever. And then, hurt them, yeah. and then there was a real goofball. I think it was uneducated is maybe a more appropriate term mm-hmm. that there's of course a video went viral of him on Australian beach with a blue ringed octopus in his hand. Well, I, Not I didn't, re- I, I think Not he didn't smart. know what it was and then he, yeah. whatever. But of course, you know, the, yeah, you know, true. viral videos or whatever, but he was obviously fine because yeah. he, even it just being yeah. on his hand, don't do this at home. Don't you dare do this at the home. We love you. No, we need gosh, you, no, no. <laughs> especially if you're one don't of our Patreon people, we need you alive. Yeah. So <laughs> don't do it at home, but it just goes to show yeah. that it, it didn't even bite him, even with all that rigmarole. Yeah. Nope, nope, nope. Very shy. Just don't mess with them. You know, they're, they're, they're great animals. Admire them from a distance. For me, it's going to be nature documentaries and when I'm in the Maldives. YouTube videos. One of these days. Yes. And of course, Octonations videos. Yes. Interact on Octonations. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So anyways, thank you. Share this with a friend. Have a great week. Yes. Thanks, Chris. Please, uh, if you, if you can just take five seconds and, uh, review us or, and or rate us on both, uh, Facebook and iTunes. Thank you. Listen, learn, share, join the movement at allcreaturespod.com.